0: 104.7 The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. Broadcasting pure classic rock from the Just One More studio in beautiful Midtown Springfield. It's Ned Talk, your local live sports show. Sports talk for I hate that show. Now, here's Ned. <laughs>
1: You know what they say, Ned? They say you can't keep a good man down. You can't keep three good men down. We're back here <laughs> talking on the radio about sports. How you doing?
2: Always on a Monday night from 6 to 7, we will be here talking sports. Now, that will change when the Kansas City Chiefs start their season because then we morph into the Chiefs pre-game
1: show. And we we all love morphing. It's one of our favorite things to do. Stormy, how are you?
3: I'm doing good. I'm, Always good on a Monday night from 6 to 7.
1: I'm Joe Weston, by the way. So Stormy's sitting with me. <laughs> so is Ned. And we chat about sports on uh, on Mondays. And I thought, really, we were going to get away from COVID-19 today. I thought, oh, yeah, you God. know, we're just going to talk about sports because it had actually been a pretty slow week for it. I mean, the Cardinals have had their issues, but the uh, stories started circulating today about the major top ball. Two of the five looking to bail and the other three having to make a decision and trying to put on a united front. What are your thoughts, Ned? It's a
2: very fluid circumstance and one that I wish hadn't happened. You can look at it in a number of ways. And now the Big Ten and Pac-12 really haven't made their decision final yet. And there's been so much feedback to the uh, Big Ten from their announced decision today in which the vote was reportedly 12 to 2 in favor of uh, moving the season to the spring, but there's been so much pushback from coaches and players and others The president of the United States for one uh, Nick Saban at Alabama from an, uh, just just anybody. Any of the coaches are very much against this decision. Now the Big Ten is meeting again tonight and may reaffirm what they're going to do and the Pac-12. They're the first ones to pull the plug anyway on having any non-conference games. They'll probably follow suit if that's the case. It is very reasonable to think, in my opinion, that the Southeastern Conference would continue and play their schedule the way it's going to be. Uh, I, thought, I thought Nick Saban's comment today about the players was extremely interesting and probably quite factual. And that is, in his opinion, the players are safer in camp and out on the football field than they would be anywhere else. And I suspect that's probably true because they follow the regimen and follow the discipline. Now, again, we are talking football, guys. It's a game. Do you play a game and put the health concerns to the side? No, you don't. COVID-19 is a very viral virus. It can. It, nobody knows anything about it. It's, that's why they call it the novel coronavirus, because it is new. There is no playbook to follow. There's no formula uh, mm-hmm. as to what will happen, what might happen. So as a result, that leaves the officials of these leagues in a, in a quandary. But you take a look at the numbers. and in the United States we have had, I think, five million, 5 million COVID-19 cases. Most of those five million cases recover. Not all. Most of the ones who don't recover are elderly like moi. They're not football players, they're not athletes. There are some, of course, there's some to everything. There's an exception to every rule. But for the most part, there are young, healthy individuals who will, re- uh, will recover. But the long-term effects of COVID-19 are still not known yet. Still, you have to understand that although it is football, it's a game, it is also a very big business. And the financial hit that these conferences are going to take if they dump, and I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 will, are going to be substantial. There's no doubt in my mind that this has been discussed over and over again. Will a spring season uh, be the uh, be a backdrop to that? In other words, can they make up for it in the spring season? The answer is no, they cannot, not in my opinion. Furthermore, playing spring football really puts the athletes at a huge disadvantage because it means playing 20, at least 22 games in a period of about seven months. And that, physically, is very difficult, if not
3: impossible. Stormy, your thoughts? Well, you know, there were other coaches, you know, Frost up at Nebraska and Harbaugh and Michigan have always stated that they want to play this season, regardless whether it's even in their conferences. Uh, they said they want fall football to be played by their teams. And, uh, you know, telling that there's uh SEC, unplanned SEC, big phone conference between the presidents and the chancellors and all that. And, I, of course, there's been no word yet about it, but... Right now the stories I'm reading are the Pac-12 and the Big 10 are trying to look for a way to yes go ahead and postpone or even maybe even cancel this year's football. And uh I think that would be it would be a huge hit to the players and the colleges and to the psyche of a lot of fans. Um but the one thing that has come up and I guess we'll probably talk about this later is that uh it opens up a huge variety of options for the NFL if they go forward with their season for scheduling you know, over weekend's time. So uh, I'm kind of hoping they don't. I hope the SEC goes out and plays. Of course, I'm a big Alabama fan because I want to see them play. But, uh, <laughs> of course, I want the best of what's healthy for, for the players and the coaches.
2: The players are apparently, according to all the tweets and Twitters and Facebooks and all that sort of rubbish they are all united. They all want to play. But they are players. They're young. They're 17 yep. to 21 years of age, and they think a whole lot differently from, uh, from a, well, a mature standpoint from an AD or a college president who view things differently from a teenager. All right. Again, the, the, the outlook with the, with the virus, COVID-19, is still not determined but again, looking at the numbers, you will find that most of the people are going to recover. And again, that presents an altogether different circumstance. Do you even stop the mitigation of the disease by canceling your season? I think there's a question about that. Does it even have any effect? I'm not sure that it does. I don't think anybody knows that it does.
1: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. We're chatting about the uh, big news in college sports today that the chancellors of some of the schools have come out and said that they would like to postpone. One of the things that really struck me about this, and I'll get your guys' thoughts on it, is, and you both well know this, that most college presidents would step over their dying grandmother for a dollar that they can get (laughs) from sports. For them to come out and say, take the financial hit, that tells me something. What does it say to you? It tells
2: me that if they're willing to sacrifice financially, that the scientists and doctors to whom they have talked have not presented the positive uh, picture that they wanted. Uh, the, there was an initial thought back in the summer that by now the disease would be on the wane. Uh, there might be a second spike, but the circumstances would be such that the, the dangerous part of it would uh, probably be passed. And that evidently has not been the case. That's, that's what I take from this uh, decision that's been made. And yet there are others I heard an interview today with the head coach, I'm sorry, the athletic director of the University of Arkansas, uh, Mr. Urich, Urich, who said um, as far as he's concerned, the doctors have all been very positive. The situation is such that there are no COVID-19 cases on the Razorbacks team. I think there are very few, if any, with any of the other SEC teams in particular. And that tells you something about the process that they're using and the protocol that is being used. Again, do you stop living life in a circumstance like this? I, I have great philosophical problems with all of that. But again, it is what it is.
1: What I come down to on a lot of this stuff is that there's somebody who's a lot smarter than me, a lot smarter than us in this room, who are saying, this is saying... That's hard to do. This is, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Stormy, good point. I That are coming to these decisions and people who really, really would do anything for a dollar are going, you know what, maybe we should back off this. Because I, I what starts to strike me is what sort of liability do colleges, especially colleges over professional athletes have if an athlete gets sick and doesn't get better, what what you know, where's their liability at? Well
2: they that? do have insurance policies, mm-hmm. that's true. But again, what you're pointing out, Joe, is a very interesting circumstance. Is there Is there an opt-out process for the college athlete? Is there some kind of sufficient background to allow that individual to play and risk getting the disease and risk perhaps some of the uh, side effects that that disease might have? That part of it I don't know, but that is certainly a very serious consideration, and it may be the ultimate consideration with what's going on. Maybe there is no specific plan to follow. I would think that college football would have something in mind, but I read a column today where the allegation was that there was no plan along that line.
1: That's something I wanted to talk to both of you guys about, too. This morning when I was watching the sports show, where all this really landed at was the fact that there is no consensus on leadership in the NCAA. There's not a commissioner that goes, we're not going to do this, or we're going to do this, and this is how you're going to do it. I saw a tweet that Trevor Lawrence put out today that was a very well-thought-out tweet. I liked, I always, you guys know, as far as this goes, I'm more conservative than the two of you are as far as the the coronavirus, mm-hmm. but I liked what he had to say. He said, let us play, let's have a plan in place, and I think that's what the players and the coaches are going. If we're going to do this, Let's have a plan, but there doesn't seem to be any leadership.
2: No, and that's a good point that you bring up, too, Joe. The com- the uh, the and I don't know whether he calls himself the commissioner, but Mr. Emmert, who is the president of the NCAA, has really not come out with a formula. He's saying the conferences can make up their own mind and yeah. something like this. Well, again, you run into a circumstance here where leadership or lack of comes into play. But you understand now there are oh, I don't know how many Division I colleges. Uh, I know in basketball it's 341, but in football I think it's probably, what, 60 big-timers and then maybe 120 or 130 who fall into the Division I category. Mm-hmm. There is no, there's no leadership like there is in the NFL, which is the 30 team, 32 teams. And you have a commissioner there. You have Mr. Goodell and the general managers who can formulate a, a plan, a protocol to go by. And in college, this has not been followed. Therein lies one of the very big differences. And you're letting each of the conferences uh, go along and make their own decisions and pr- follow whatever circumstances they might have been party to from a scientific and medical standpoint. It's, it's, it's just really a jumbled mess. And that's a shame.
3: Well, I mean... Uh, we hate to bring up COVID nineteen, and I always hate to bring up the other dreaded word within sports, and that's politics. And that's the number two thing that's on the mind of most of these college presidents: is where does this, where will this fall, and will this put an axe over my head politically if I make this decision or that decision after the financial decision? And so, the, and a lot of these college presidents, they may support their teams, they may be big fans of their teams, but not most of them don't know a lot about the inner workings of a lot of sports uh with their teams because they just have so much else going on <laughs> but yeah and uh yeah we've got a couple of exa- never mind uh but the that also comes into effect I would I would trust more of my athletic directors and my coaches personally uh and their decisions and if there's a unified front from an entire squad especially when you go multi teams together I think that says something to me from their standpoint as well.
2: Especially when you get some of these big-name coaches like a Harbaugh and a Frost at Nebraska and a day at Ohio State, mm-hmm. when these people start making comments, hey, what are we doing? Why are we canceling? When they're questioning their own hierarchy, that also tells you something <laughs> that maybe there's not a lack of unification here.
1: Well, if the uh, if the college presidents would step over their dying grandmother to get a dollar, the uh, the college football coaches would push that grandmother down and then step over her to get that dollar. So I can get their point that they want to play, that they want to do that. But I understand that a lot of these, and this again is where there's a lot of different information is that this is what the presidents, the school presidents are being told by the health and scientific yep. people yep. in their community and that's the people that they ultimately have to trust because but why
2: Joe why is it different in different parts of the country?
1: I think you I was talking to some people at work today and I think if you believe something whatever that is whatever you want to believe you can find somebody that agrees with you. Oh, you no can question. find you can find a doctor that'll agree with you, you can find a TV channel that'll agree with you. You can find anything. That will agree with you. And it's just part of the day and age that we live in. It's not the media. I don't want to do that because I think that's horse crap. I I just do because the media is not this conglomerate of people that makes decisions together. They're not. We work in the media. We work in the media. We offer opinions on this show.
2: Uh, Yeah. And let's stop it right there. We offer opinions, but the media's charge is not to offer opinions. The media's is to report on facts, figures, who, what, why, where, and when, unless it is completely stated, this is a personal opinion, bingo, then you're all right.
1: But like I said, you can find somebody that agrees with your opinion, and that's that's part of the oh, issue that we have.
2: Yeah, because, well, that's the way the country is, is yeah. structured. Well, you've got another. Gives in the it tich, wasn't. It
1: wasn't always structured that way, though. I mean, oh, it just. Yeah, it, I, I, I
2: know you. No, 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 no. You've never had total unanimity.
1: No, I wouldn't say that. But when you at one time had the three major networks and they offered the news, and you had the newspapers that offered the news, and as you, it's sort of the golden age, as you might put it, where it was who, what, when, where, why, you didn't have. Uh, Channels or specific things or things on the internet that allowed you to find somebody that agreed with what you, whatever crazy true. thing that that you want to believe.
2: Absolutely. We live in
1: an age of conspiracy theories.
2: Well, we also live in an age where we never used to have 24 hour news channels and very true like 24
1: hour sports
2: and sports. And that in itself is not, in my opinion, necessarily a good thing because you're getting a regurgitation of everything that goes on yeah. and you're getting thus and such something and a different opinion. Over however, and
1: over and... I'm sorry. I was agreeing with you. When you're I was dealing, agreeing.
2: however, with medicine, there has to be a uniform policy to follow, and I would think that physicians around the country would have a uniform a policy as to how to follow a covid-19 virus
3: it's the same well, virus that
2: occurs everywhere there's one
3: more thing we need to take into consideration here i mean at no other time have we had such control over that media because there's what less than 10 people that control what <laughs> 80 90% of the media i mean that's that's a that's a pretty uh, tight collection of, of groupings. groups is right, but, though it
2: isn't it's, it's but, not it's not a media uh, it's a, perhaps a media driven in the result and the with the m- amount of information we're getting But the ideas that we form and the attitudes that we form are yours and you, the ones that you want to form on your basis that's true
1: expose yourself to as much as you
2: <laughs> that sounded
1: wrong expose yourself Boy, did, to yeah, as much that was as you can say, yeah. really do you and, know taking as much information as you can and we're out of Halloween you yet. know i, I try
2: to avoid that because there's a, a lack of,
1: oh, well there there was, <laughs> there was that one incident yeah so uh, anyways dead talk we are on 104.7 the cave and we're talking a little bit about sports Yes, sir. Ned Talk, I'm four point seven. The Cave. For the uh, last few weeks, we've been uh, short a couple of partners in crime. We've been kind of uh, taking a lot of guys, a lot of of beef in the studio (laughs) whenever we do the show. So we've asked John and uh, Josh to take some weeks off for us. And uh, they're still very much part of the show. And John Oliver joins us via the telephone. John, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad
1: to glad to be back even if it's virtually. <laughs> yeah. And we, I I wanna wish Kendall a happy birthday while we're on while we're on the air. Hopefully she's listening and you can uh wish her happy birthday. Kendall play baseball oh, for, for me. I will definitely
0: pass that along to her. I appreciate it. And you so, might
2: tell the folks a little bit about Kendall and her uh, athletic uh, prowess. Go ahead and tell us about yeah, her.
0: She's uh, she's fourteen. She's six two, and she's <laughs> currently going to be playing eighth grade volleyball. So she's uh, she's got the height advantage, and she's been playing since about fourth grade, and doing really well with it.
2: Now, this is correct me if I heard you incorrectly. Six two, and she is fourteen. That's right. That's absolutely correct. Whoa. The colleges will be after her in a split second. <laughs>
3: oh yeah! By the time she gets college, she'll have a height advantage on the net.
2: Where will she uh, Where will she go to uh, high school, John?
0: She'll go to Parkview.
2: Good. Very good. Very good. All right. Let's talk a little baseball, guys. Start her off. Did you want to- All right. Yeah.
1: Let's Let's talk about it. John's uh, has covered Springfield Cardinals for quite a while, numerous years. How is it this year? Not uh, Not doing the Springfield Cardinals.
0: It's weird. I mean, you know, I've d- I've done the beat reporter thing for six years, so you know, I'm around the team a lot, and you know, I've been in touch with you know, some of the guys that are with the team that I, I've gotten to know, and it's it's just an odd feeling. It, you know, it's baseball season. It's you know, if they call it the boys of summer, but it's just been. It's been awkward. You know, we have the taxi squad here in Springfield that, uh, you know, basically they can call people up from. And, of course, with the situation that I'm sure you guys have talked about that's going on, there are many players being pulled off of that taxi squad and at some point hopefully making their way to the major leagues if we ever get started again for St. Louis.
2: That's a good question and a, a good summation that you bring up. I had the pleasure of talking with Dan Ryder the other day. And it was just about the time that Genesis Cabrera uh, was being called up, as yep. was Alex Reyes and a guy named Schrock, with whom I'm uh, not familiar with.
0: Schrock, b- yep. He's an infielder we got from the Oakland Athletics. He's got a big bat, fields pretty well. It's just consistent average is what they're looking for with him. But he's, he's got the potential. He's 25, so he's not a young prospect necessarily. But he's got, he's got potential.
2: Well, those guys, to my knowledge, are up with a big club right now, which brings up the next point. Uh, there was a, a little note today that for a change, a change, there has been some slight good news. And that was that the, the uh, COVID-19 tests, the virus tests, all came back negative as of yesterday. So th- that will lead you to believe they have another, another couple days in which they may be able to formulate a policy. Right now, they have a doubleheader Thursday in Detroit, their first game in over two weeks do you hear anything different from that? Have you heard any information that something might happen to the season, to the team, et cetera?
0: I have heard some rumblings. I can tell you confirmed they have canceled that doubleheader on Thursday oh oh. Uh, Ned, because of concerns that they won't be able to get enough workout days in. And as you can imagine, I'm sure most people out there can do the math, the Cardinals have only played five games this year. So trying to fit 55 games into what is going to become almost a 40-day calendar is going to become very, very tricky from a logistical standpoint.
2: Now that uh, our, I, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, the commissioner, uh, Mr. Manfred, has said that he feels like the Cardinals can play a competitive schedule, but it might not be all sixty games. Does that figure into the plan?
0: It does. It does. At this point, it logistically, it's going to be almost impossible. I mean, even with the addition of those seven inning double headers that they suggested they're literally going to have no off days at this point and unless you you know you start talking about triple headers that's way too much for any opposing team mm-hmm. to Did you have to sacrifice let, to come in
1: Let me interrupt you here did did you say seven inning yeah. double headers is that what they're talking about
0: That's not that's seven already
2: double been that's that mandated. mandated Wow that's that wow. wow. happened two weeks ago yeah. Uh they said uh, because of the way things are operating and it, it happened because of the Miami Marlins and the number yes. of games they had to make up. They said, okay, doubleheaders, but seven innings each. So that is that is in the books. That's the way it'll be. Wow. Now, John, when you take a look at the number of days, let's just say the Cardinals go uh, n- uh, negative in all their tests uh, tomorrow. Maybe they can get back on the field and practice a little bit. In your opinion, how many days would it take them to get ready?
0: They could be ready if – if they test negative again tomorrow, then they have the players there at their homes in St. Louis, the ones that are still eligible, that aren't on the I.L. list. So they could technically play as early as Friday. Mm-hmm. It's really up to Major League Baseball if they feel comfortable at that point and if Mike Schilt and the Cardinals organization feel like the players are in game shape from being off for you know over 10 days at this point.
2: What I find to be very interesting is the fact that the Cardinals have had such a a two-week time off because of the COVID-19 that some of the individuals who originally were diagnosed are ready to come back again. It's been that amount of time.
0: That's (laughs) true, yes. Uh, Yadier (laughs) Molina and Paul DeYoung, uh, Molina actually took his first test, I believe, yesterday. And you have to, of course, have two consecutive negative tests. He was negative. So we'll see how his second one turns out. It's been long enough now, Ned, to where some of those players that we were initially fearing we'd be without are probably going to make it back.
2: But they are also going to be stale, and the pitching staff—the pitching staff—is really going to take a hit with the numbers of doubleheaders that they will have to play, regardless of all that. What uh, I think probably what I find to be very interesting, uh, John, you may or may not have some insight into this, is how how this COVID nineteen Miami had the initial outbreak. But the Cardinals here in the Midwest have been affected the worst of all teams in the Major Leagues. How does something like this happen?
0: You bring up a great point, Ned. And, you know, I can give you an example. Last, or it was on Sunday night, the Cleveland Indians, everybody remembers Dan Plesak, I think, that's followed baseball. His son, Zach, is a pitcher for the Indians. And he threw a great game. I believe gave up one run in six and a third innings and unfortunately celebrated by leaving the team's hotel Saturday
3: night. (laughs) Oh God! He
0: was sent home for 14 days without a test, without being questioned for breaking protocol. In the Cardinals' situation, there have been rumors flying around. And, you know, Ned, you've been around the Cardinals as long as I have. They have a way of, without embarrassing anybody, doing things internally. Mm -hmm. All I can say is there were a lot of confirmed reports of a certain number of players, be it two or three, who went to a casino in Minnesota yes. and kind of broke the protocol of you know staying in the hotel or the quote unquote bubble. You can take what you will from that. Uh, anybody that has, you know, the MLB.com website available can look and see which players went on the injured list injured list. <laughs> there is one that went on the injured list that is not injured but did not want to release that he was COVID positive. So I'll kind of let that speak for itself.
2: And, John, in my opinion, that does speak for itself. Yep. Right? When that guy, and we're not going to we are not going to damn his identity, well, he hasn't identified himself. But the fact is that when it happened, we all speculated here, uh-huh, that's, that's the, the guy who is probably primarily responsible for introducing the virus. And probably because they all went to that casino against the protocol rules. And why would they? Because they don't think. They're boneheads. They, they're young, and they, they're they invulnerable to all the diseases in the world. And that's how it gets started, kind of like that uh, Rudy Gobert of the uh, Utah Jazz, oh and who said, what is this <laughs> virus? I don't believe it. And, and it goes around, what, Get kissing to... everybody you know, and <laughs> all that sort of thing, and yeah. he comes down with it.
1: Yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. Well, we talked about this early on. Uh, I mean, I think, John, when you were still doing the show in person with us, we talked that it only took one bonehead. Mm -hmm. to bring something down and it looks like the car unfortunately for us locally it's it's the cardinals yeah (laughs) yeah. so
0: how are the cardinals looking before yeah our team you know miami was a hotbed when they went through this missouri's not i mean missouri's not low on cases but they're not really a hotbed so i feel like this is mainly due to carelessness
2: yes it is and 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 a total violation by guys who are supposed to be disciplined, but a, a violation of all of the protocol rules, and I would think that there would be some level of discipline involved in this, but maybe not, maybe not, maybe the getting the virus is the discipline. I well,
3: know. that one person well, we talked about, the discipline's kind of an issue some with him anyway. People involved
0: with the teams that I've talked to, um, you know, this the particular individual that we won't name has had issues in the past violating team protocols on other items, so in my humble opinion, I, I don't think you're going to see this player on the roster next
2: year. I absolutely agree with you, and I'm not sure that we should should have seen him on this year, because he didn't have a good year last year either.
1: It's Paul Goldschmidt, isn't it? <laughs> I,
2: can, I can assure you, it is not Paul DeYoung, nor Paul Goldschmidt, nor Yadi or Molina. No, okay.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Let's, let's, but, talk, let's well, talk about this real quick, John. I want to keep you on for another segment so we can talk a little bit about basketball, but do you... We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Do you feel the that Major League Baseball made a mistake by not following kind of the, the hockey and the NBA model to go with the bubble?
0: I don't think you can't look at it, and I don't think you can look at it and not think it was a mistake. When you're looking at the NBA, they have had zero cases no. since the bubble began. With the NHL, the same situation. They've had no problems playing. The only way to conceivably play a contact sport and not have what we're seeing with the Marlins, the Phillies, the Cardinals, is unfortunately at this point to kind of be in a bubble. And I think baseball erred on the side of giving a little bit too much freedom and kind of trusting in good faith in certain players, and I think that's come back to bite them, Joe.
2: Just as a point of argument. Okay. Uh oh. Just because He's I'm contrarian on the, Because I'm an old man, I can get away with it. <laughs> I, I have to disagree, guys, because I don't see how you can play baseball in the bubble that these teams are. These are fewer players, the basketball players, it's 12, roster 12, 13, 14. The hockey is a little bit larger, but not all that much. You can get away with playing in a bubble with those particular sports but in baseball I would think isolating it to Arizona or Miami or Florida or Texas I just do not think that would have worked because you're taking players away from their home surroundings you trust in the guys being mature you hope they are it's turned out that some are not but this is we've only talked about two teams two of the 30 major league baseball teams that in in and of itself is pretty good and Maybe the lesson has been learned. We can look at it optimistically that way. We well, can I, we can definitely
1: hope. Yeah, we can. John, let's uh, hang on the phone with us for just a minute, if you've got some time, and we'll uh, come back and talk about one of your other favorite sports, which is basketball. And I know that's going on right now. So we'll come back with John Oliver. Join us. It's Ned Talk on one hundred four point seven, The Cave. Ned, talk I'm one hundred four point seven, the Cave, your local live sports talk show. At least last time I checked, we're all live. Ned, you there? <laughs> okay, Stormy, well, thanks. So. Okay, John How's Oliver is on the phone with us, adding some intelligent insight, something that this show has sorely missed <laughs> for the last few weeks. And let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, about basketball because I know that's one of your favorite sports too. I know that's uh, I think that's Holden and Marshall. They love basketball, don't they? They
0: do huge fans. Yeah, so by proxy I need to be a fan as well. So, so
1: they're excited basketball's back. What do you think? Do you like the bubble games or do they seem a little creepy to you?
0: Um, you know what? It's kind of the same thing with baseball, you know, the no fan thing. I thought it would take a lot more getting used to. In the NBA's case, I don't really feel like it's a huge detractor. And that's surprising because in the NBA, as you guys know, the fans are right there on the sidelines. You know, Lakers fans obviously famously get involved with uh, celebrities and things like that. But I like the way it looks. I like the way they spread out the players. They're still close enough to talk. It's, it, it doesn't feel quite like a normal game, but it's, it's close enough. It, it's definitely close enough.
2: You know, John, it's interesting you bring that up. I think we as the viewers probably share, for the most part, your thoughts on this. It's action. We're watching it. We're watching the isolated shots of the players and so forth. So we're really not – you you don't get the ambiance of the arena by watching the games the way they're being presented now. But to a person, and I noticed this on the golf course yesterday with the PGA and with some of the others – There's not a single athlete who has said, boy, I'm glad the fans aren't here. They all say, oh, my goodness sake, we do miss them. Uh, Paul Casey, uh, who was one of the contenders for the PGA title right down to the wire. He's a former Arizona State Mm -hmm. All-America, has said, I really do miss the people out here cheering. That really gives you some boost. And the kid who won the thing, uh, Colin uh, Murakama from uh, the University of California, his campus is what? 30 miles away from the golf course, he had some California people up there. Now, they probably were club members or individuals who could get in because galleries aren't allowed, but there there were some. But for the most part, the golfers, the basketball players, you hear LeBron James talk about missing the fans terribly. And if the same thing happens in college basketball, I can promise you the athletes will miss having those crowds around.
0: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. They definitely feed off that net. I mean, the crowds are a big part. I mean, athletes' adrenaline can take you so far. And you still have that desire to win. But I don't know that there's many athletes that don't feed off the crowd in some way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard a couple of players. I know Russell Westbrook, uh, James Harden, Steph Curry, you know, some of the bigger scorers in the league have talked about it's a big difference in depth perception as far as, you know, yep. shooting towards the basket without the crowd there. They feel like the basket looks much closer and they've had trouble making those adjustments without the crowd there to kind of buffer out that area behind the basket.
2: That's a a perception that I think a lot of individuals who've never played the games uh, fail to understand or fail to have it materialize in their mindset, that the perceptions of playing in an arena are extremely important. And I'll tell you where it really comes to the fore. In the NCAA National Tournament, when they play them in these huge arenas, hey, the perception level is altogether different from uh, most of the arenas they played in during the course of the season. And it makes a difference with your depth perception and uh, how you shoot the ball. It takes a lot of getting used to. But you're absolutely right. The fans in attendance and that background, not to mention the, uh, the din that's created by these fans, that has a very positive effect on players and a negative one on the visitors. That's why you have home court advantage. Uh, having said all that, can you see a circumstance in which there is a delay to the basketball season and perhaps no season at all?
0: At this point, it, they've been so successful with it. and They've been so stringent for anyone that needs to leave for either family reasons or injury purposes. It would really, to me, take quite an aberration for there to be a hiccup at this point. Ned. I think they've been pretty diligent in that. I'm sure the players aren't too thrilled about being confined to the quote unquote bubble for as long as they're gonna to have to be. But at the same time I think it's it's garnered results for them because they you know, they haven't had the issues we've seen with baseball at all.
2: It is going to be a little bit different for them because the championship I think is going to be decided in either late September or early October. Then they're only gonna get about a month and a half off before they start the season again.
0: That's correct. Yeah, so it'll be a definite adjustment as far as not having that long offseason either.
2: How about the the college level of basketball?
0: College level of basketball, it's going to be interesting. You know, we've got a little ways to go before that would start up. Uh, You guys may have touched on this. College football is not looking too promising for the fall semester. So I think we'll just kind of have to look and see how things are at that point. And, you know, if I were a betting man at this point, I would at least see the college basketball season being shortened or postponed for a period of time
2: it it already has in some respects Mm -hmm. i believe the great lakes valley conference uh canceled all fall sports well the start of the basketball season is in the fall and that would go up to uh right before christmas and then of course in division two you have to take two weeks off during christmas so i can see their season starting Maybe in the latter part of December, early January, and maybe with all conference games. I think that's that's a possibility. That's D2. I can't tell you about the Bears and Division One because I'm really not. I haven't heard too much on those circumstances yet. As far as the colleges, you know, this is just a personal opinion. Uh, the Big Ten allegedly is going to vote tomorrow, or maybe tonight, uh, to cancel uh, the uh, the fall season, and the same with the Pac-12. The other conferences, I can almost see the Southeastern Conference playing alone this year. Yeah, I, I think, you know, football in the South, that's a big that's deal a big for deal, <laughs> And especially if
3: you get like Texas, which lives off of high school football in that area. If they have to lose that, losing this too, that would be huge down there. It's just, it'll be interesting to see how they make their choices. My understanding is that if they,
1: if, if one, if they, they're all supposed to go that's my understanding of what i saw this morning is that it they need to come to some sort of consensus mm-hmm. whether they're going to play or not play and there won't be a Some of us are going to play, and some of us are not going to play. What I understand is it will—it's an all-or-nothing deal. Joe,
2: that sounds good uh, (laughs) coming from uh, from a unanimity standpoint, but I'm not sure that's going to work because these these folks in the Southeastern Conference are very adamant about wanting to play this season.
1: Rabbit's a word you want to use? Yeah, Rabbit's
2: good. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So let me ask you this, John: They're uh, the Lakers not looking so good in the restart. And there's some uh, you know, conspiracy theory stuff going around. What's your, what's your thought? Who's looking good? Uh, the three guys who right don't there. follow the NBA, tell us.
0: Yeah, I can tell you this for sure, Joe. The Lakers look tor- terrible. They look out of sorts. They look out of shape. So they've been tough to watch. It's frustrating. You know, I, I know Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Kuzma and others with the team have voiced their frustration, but it hasn't fixed anything up to this point. One of the biggest things I've noticed with the restart is you can really tell which players took that break seriously and really worked on getting their reps in, honing their craft, and which ones might have kind of taken it as a little bit of an extended break, just assuming they'd be fine when they came back. I, I have the feeling the Lakers weren't maybe as diligent as other teams. <laughs> I can tell you this, Milwaukee with uh, Giannis and the rest of his crew there, they look Phenomenal! It's going to be very, very hard.
3: Why, why are you raising your hand? This is your show. It,
2: because uh, I watched a game the other night in which the Milwaukee Bucks played the Dallas Mavericks, and I can't tell you how overwhelmingly I'm pre- uh, I'm impressed with the Luka Doncic. My, oh, my goodness, like, this this player. guy he he made a play, and this is just an example. The guy scored I think 37 points and had a I think a triple double. He goes charging down the lane passes between his legs to another Maverick who blasted it home on a dunk. I said, how do you do that going full speed? That's pretty good.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's, he's fun to watch. He's definitely a young star, and there's a lot of them in the NBA right now. And, Ned, I hate to, I hate to burst your bubble. I know Philadelphia is near and dear to your heart. <laughs> Simmons out of the year and Simmons having all the ankle issues. I don't see them being able to really make much of a run. Up no,
2: day. no. When your two star players are going to be sidelined like that, they uh, they're they're and also ran as far as the uh, as far as the championships concerned. But there's always hope, John. <laughs>
0: there is always hope. Is the I, process I over? Towards a Clipper and Buck final. So I'll see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, that's
2: but. pretty good. That's a pretty good choice.
1: Yeah, Clippers and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a good one. I, you know, the guy from Denver too is a really great player n- too. Nikola. Oh, uh, yeah, the other big man yeah, in Denver.
2: N- Nikola Lucic, I think his name is. God bless you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, John, we'll let you get back to Kendall's birthday party, and uh, you, again, wish her happy birthday from all of us. I know that she's uh, she she will be excited to hear happy birthday from Ned. <laughs> Ned Happy who?
2: birthday, kid. Happy birthday. Fourteen years old and six two. That's pretty good.
1: Tom Mass said what angry. to me? <laughs> 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 All right, John, stay safe. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, okay? See you, buddy. All right,
0: Sounds good. Good to hear from you guys.
1: You're listening to ned Talk and Water four point seven the cave. Ned Talk on 104.7, the Cave, your local live sports talk show. We'll get to uh, everybody's favorite segment here in a moment. What did the Queen City Insane Asylum do over the weekend? But I think, I know, Ned, because I listened this morning uh, to you and Mike, the intern. You guys do your morning breaks and discuss sports together. You were talking about golf, and I want to know more about that.
2: This was the uh, PGA National, and they played it at Harding Park in San Francisco under really, in all honesty, adverse weather conditions. Now, I'm not talking about rain and all that sort of thing and hail and thunderstorms and snow and all that. But they had what's called the marine layer came in off the Pacific Ocean, and it <laughs> affected only where they were. They were The announcers were talking about 10 miles away. It was beautiful, sunny weather and all that. And there, the temperature is 60, and it's foggy. The golf was outstanding. Nothing short of outstanding on a very difficult course. And the kid, Colin uh, Marikawa, who is a four-time All-America from California, University of California, and Berkeley is just down the road from where this tournament was played, broke out of an eight-player tie in the back nine at Harding Park. And he did it, first of all, by chipping in from about 35 feet on the 14th hole, chipped in, and then two holes later, eagled. Eagled the 16th hole, and that put it away. It's 13 strokes under par. It was terrific golf with an eight-player tie. Had I been a betting man, I would have bet on uh, Dustin Johnson to win the thing. He had led for much of the tournament, but he could not put it together. He finished in second place, 11 strokes back, which is pretty good. But this kid is 23 years old, Morikawa, and he is a future star. He's been in every single tournament. This is his debut year on the PGA Tour, and he has been a significant part of every tournament, plays beautifully. When he drove the green on the 16th hole and got an eagle out of it, you had to say, boy, here's a kid playing in the PGA National Championships, the first of the year's majors, and he is able to survive that kind of pressure and win in those circumstances, that is pretty good. Did
3: I'm you impressed. watch any of it? Did you watch any
1: golf? Are you a golf watcher? I, for I can't watch
3: golf. I mean, I just <laughs> – the only time I ever play golf is when there's a windmill, a giant clown head, a dinosaur involved. I mean, so I'm, I've just never really been into the game, although I do respect uh, a lot of the great players they've had and uh, got to meet a couple of the legends when I lived down in Florida, Nicholson and uh, Palmer, and so – but I just, I just, I can't watch it. I just.
2: And you have to understand how the game is played. It's slow. It's methodical. You have too to good be where it starts. very, very judgmental on how you uh, how you play your holes. And the two, here's here's an interesting uh, fact that you find. Back in the late '90s and through the early part of the 2000s, Tiger Woods was the best player in the world. The best. He is still the best in a lot of minds, but he is not. He has, uh, he's been a victim of his own success because the players, the young kids out on the course now, are great players and they have modeled themselves after Woods. Woods is still a fine player, but so are all the others, including this kid, uh, Murakawa, who is out there. But there are so many others and they're all big. The kid from Southern Methodist, uh, DeChambeau, he must go about two. 55, 260, and he hits the ball 800 miles. He's another future star on the uh, PGA Tour.
1: You know, I used to work for a uh, a group of radio stations that was owned out of Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would ask some of the guys there, you know, you guys go to the Masters and see what it's like. And they're like, oh, yeah, we go all the time. And they said, you know, all those guys, they smoke. They know where the camera's at. They're walking along course, you know, smoking their heaters as they go. <laughs> and then as, as this camera comes, the cigarettes disappear. But that's not what, what you see in the younger players today. These guys mm-hmm. are, are athletes. They are not yeah. the, you know, beer in the bag kind of, you know, kind of guys.
2: Interesting, Joe, you bring that up. Because back in his heyday – Arnold Palmer, who really led the charge of golf into the big time, he and Jack Nicklaus. Mm-hmm. It was not at all uncommon. Now, this is before cigarettes were taboo. You'd see him on the course on TV. He'd be off mm-hmm. on the side smoking, flip it away just like that, not to be clandestine about it, but to, to because he's ready for the shot. But oh yeah, it was it was common knowledge back then. Yeah, not Joe now.
1: DiMaggio after every inning, sit down, smoke a cigarette, yep. drink a cup of coffee. Could you imagine doing that? 90 degree days in New York wearing a wool uniform a cup of coffee and a cigarette sitting there
3: somebody of that area <laughs> can I yeah I turn it back I can okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> well
2: it did happen uh, and now guys don't please don't misunderstand I'm not saying this to name drop that's not the point this did happen I've had a number of occasions personally to be in programs with introducing and interviewing John Goodman and one, I once asked him, it's been about five, six, seven years ago when he was here. I said, when you played Babe Ruth, oh man, what was that like? He said, it's the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life. We're shooting those scenes at Wrigley Field in a wool uniform in the heat of summer. No, thank you. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> That, that guys, that's true. He did. He did yeah. say that.
1: It's a different day. I mean, guys are in much better shape now. They're much better. There's more thought. You know, when when I grew up in the '70s, a lot of the guys, a lot of baseball players, still smoked, and a mm-hmm. lot of them were not w- what you would think of as being athletes, as far as baseball right. goes. Because there was a lot of heavier guys that played the sport, and uh, you know. And now that's kind of the exception to the rule. There's yeah. more uh, more guys that are in good shape. Let's talk real quickly before we get into the on. insane asylum stuff. I do I do want to talk about that don't take it, don't take it wrong. but what, what's your thoughts on the on the Astros getting uh, getting plunked a little bit and a little bit of the bras going on?
2: Not, not a surprise. I did uh, think it was ab- absolutely reprehensible that when uh, the Astros and the A's went after each other, there was no social distancing in that fighting. What is this?
1: <laughs> what have we gone to? Uh,
2: it was, th- this doesn't surprise me at all. Major League Baseball has taken offense to, to what happened, and these guys are going to get plunked. And I think, you know, in all honesty, I think it's had some effect on the Astros' play this year. They are not, uh, they're not playing with the same verve as they've had in the past. In fact, Oakland is. Oakland yes. has been nothing yeah. short of sensational. They've been great. Really they're good. a nice team. They're a very well put together team, uh, well constructed. Melvin's done a terrific job of formulating a good winning base with that ball club. That's not to um, not to downgrade the Astros. They're still very good, but they're not uh, they're not playing with quite the spark that they have. But that fight yesterday out in Oakland, that's say that's symbolic of what's going to happen to them this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they got a break for it not being a full season I mean, if you <laughs> call it a break I mean they they're not facing fans they're not facing you know they've had people have had a little bit of time to cool off there's some teams obviously that have not cooled off about it but it's interesting to see
2: and they're not playing some of those teams either. yes exactly <laughs> they're not
1: I don't think they're not play, are they playing the Dodgers they're not playing the Dodgers well, are they not that I know of mm-hmm. no they're not, they're not getting the Yankees either so I know that would be a little mm-hmm. bit of a
2: well, yes, they are, because they just had a series with them. They didn't play the Yankees. No, 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 the Dodgers. Oh, did Dodgers they? Dodgers and Astros, yeah, they just had a series in Houston with them. Okay, okay. So I
1: know Kershaw made some comments about it, that he was not happy about some in stuff. In
2: fact, they had they had a little standoff, a little uh, dust off down in Houston the first night, and the Dodgers won that game 5-2, to two, but they also had a little brushback incident. The next night, there was nothing. I think the umpires were looking out for something, and the Astros won that one going away. But yeah, they they've played and okay. they'll probably play again this year. Well,
3: I know All that right. first week baseball back, you know they were they were already reporting that, yeah, the Astros are getting a few more inside pitches than they probably should <laughs> on that. But to give a segue from the fights in that to the fights in this, we talked about Mike Tyson making his big comeback. It looks like that may be delayed. Hopefully by next week we'll have more information. It, he's about that. He's fighting a shark though. Last it's, night it's shark supposedly. Yeah. last night I don't know how it went. Apparently he hasn't been eaten. That wasn't on the the news today, so I guess that may be why they're delaying it. I don't know. The shark might have won. Do you watch Shark Week, Ned? What? Yeah. Shark Week. <laughs> it's a national holiday in America, didn't Thank you there. know? Shark Everybody gets the week, week. off for Shark channel. Week. It's, it's yeah. a fun
1: one. Guys, I'm tired of I it. I must
2: admit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of it. Shark Week, and then there's the competing channel that has Shark Fest, which is a month of shark oh, programming. I I'm like, please put something else on. How much more? I know everything... I know everything there is to know about sharks, and I don't care. What does, <laughs>
2: what does Mike Tyson have to do with that?
1: He, they, were, they did some sort of, I don't did you watch I it? I did not. It was they, a thing that said Mike Tyson versus a shark. Geez.
3: I don't know what it was. <laughs> they have some celebrity each year, and they do something with that celebrity. Yeah, last and year was I mean, Shaq, and this year was Tyson, so yeah, try to promote the comeback. But anyways, it's delayed. Hopefully next week we'll have a little more information on it. But yeah, the, the <laughs> Queen City Insane <laughs> Asylum played again this past Thursday. Nice segue! Uh, this past Saturday, and uh, down in Aurora, Missouri, if you can call that a road game. That was the first road game for the team. And uh, won it 74-32, to 32, a little bit closer this time. Uh, but a lot of players on here had played together, uh, different teams over the last... Oh, 10 or 12 years, and so it was, It was. I don't want to say it was personal, but it was uh, much more heated much more uh, uh, personal with some people, I guess. Um, did get to see several of my former Wolfpack players playing for the other team, kind of a reunion there, but uh much better challenge for the team, um, and it was just interesting being uh, that far out of our normal set where we are in Nixa, but the team really came together well and uh played together well and uh had a good crowd a great crowd there. What was uh, the score? Seventy four to thirty two. <laughs> that was a challenge. <laughs> well, no, it's better more challenge than we've had in the past. And they did and the defense at start, uh started the game the first quarter up into the second half quarter, first half through through the second quarter, uh, was a big challenge and our line needed that and needed to see something a little stronger just in case we run into something bigger. Down the road, so I was happy with with them getting more of a challenge in different areas, and throughout the game, we had several because they had some very good players. Uh, my hat's off to the Missouri monarchs uh, they do have some great players on there and appreciate them having us down there so are theres do you guys
1: let me ask you this Do you do any scouting? Is there any way to know about how the other teams are doing or what they look like,
3: or most of the guys know who's on what teams they still talk, they still communicate or have mutual friends and find out about who in this and that's That's where uh, Caleb and a lot of our coaches get their information, and they know these players and these other teams and how they worked and how they've played in the past. So uh, there there is a way, but it's not nearly the traditional side of it. When's your next game? Right now uh, we're looking to try to book a game on this Saturday. I don't know exactly when. What time it's going to so be? We're still throwing this season together, man. You got to remember this. This this season really wasn't supposed to happen for the IDFL, and they're, they said no. Heck with us, we're throwing it together, and so it's it's building as it goes. So if you got eight or sixteen guys
1: out there that you know want to play football, just give Stormy a call, and <laughs> and, and you'll get
3: a game. You'll get a we'll, game. We'll probably have an open tryout sometime in the fall. I would I wouldn't be surprised at that. Like, well Ned, are you Ned? looking at me
2: to play? Do to play? Is that what do, you, want? Do you want to? Uh. No. No. <laughs> no. All, right. All right. Okay. All right.
1: Any plans for the rest of the evening?
2: Mine are to go home. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm socially isolating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've done that for a long time though. Oh, a he long, time. A long time. Stormy, thanks for being with us always. as always. Ned, thank you. We'll Pleasure see you always, next sir. Monday night when we do it again, it's Ned Talk. If you uh, are turning in, you're going, where's the music? Or you're thinking, gosh, (laughs) I missed all this riveting conversation. You can download this starting tomorrow as a podcast. It is Ned Talk. We love having you guys. It's right here on 104.7 The Cave.